Kelsey Steele some time. Here's the USL's Kelsey Steele. Kelsey Steele alongside my partner Scott Stewart and Matt Calvo on the handles. Guys, how are we doing? I feel like it's been a minute. Yeah, doing well. I won't speak for Calvo. Um, he deserves his own time on the mic, but all is well. All is well. Ton of championship action. I feel like we've uh, rightly never had a more packed slate than we do right now. Um, and some interesting results over the weekend. Scott, if I was going to have anyone speak for me, it would be the PR master. <laughs> the, the, the PR Scott guy. Yeah. I won't say that, that you could do worse things. I would say that, Matt. I feel like I would represent you well. I, I believe that, yeah. Fully on board. Thank you. Busy week. Uh, this past week was super busy. Um, I think what we're seeing a lot of right now, you guys, is we have a lot to fit in and a little amount of time. And somehow we're already a full month into our return to play scenario. And I think what we're seeing a lot, especially here in this past week, is when we're seeing some of these rematches, it's almost more difficult to figure out what these these outcomes are going to be. There's just so much being played in such a little amount of time. How much of an effect do you think that's having, Scott? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, right? Like, we we spoke about fixture congestion before this even kicked off. And, um, yeah. I mean, the the more packed this stuff gets, obviously, the, the more exciting it makes the race to the playoffs. But we still have, you know, two full months almost, six-ish weeks until the, the regular season's wrapped up. So, a lot to get over the finish line. Um, and I think the, the point remains true that we emphasized a couple weeks ago. The teams that are a little bit deeper roster-wise will almost always have a, a better shot of finishing this out stronger um, than the ones that might be a, a little more bare bones as it relates to who can be relied on week in and week out. I think it's funny you mentioned roster size because I think that's where when you look at a club like the Tampa Bay Rowdies, for instance, that's where they're honestly thriving right now. I mean, I, I think if you if you look at the last, what, six weeks or so from the Rowdies, 16 different players have started for Neil Collins' side and three have come off the bench this season. So when you talk about a team that's been super successful, especially when it comes to having to, you know, really circulate a lot of guys here and you're you're playing a lot of minutes. Tampa Bay is a club that's doing it incredibly well, and they're one of the few remaining unbeaten teams in the championship. Yeah, 100%. And I think that um, it's two things, right? One is the amount of talent you have on your on your roster, on your game day roster. But the second part, arguably the most important part or the more important part, is um, having players who know what Neil Collins wants every single game. And that means being adaptable. That means being flexible to what you're being asked to do. But it also just means that you have a, a better understanding, or at least top to bottom, your squad has a better understanding of exactly how um, the, the manager or the head coach wants things to be played out. I don't think that their approach shifts a whole lot week to week from a playing style standpoint. So it just means you've got guys who can, one, ball out, but two – they know how they fit in the system. They know how to be best integrated into a team. And whether the guy next to them looks different from a Tuesday or Wednesday to a Saturday or not, um, the cohesion is there enough to, to be able to get a result. Obviously, it's huge having guys like Sebastian Guanzotti and Malik Johnson absolutely thriving right now. I think Guanzotti is in his fourth game in a row now, um, scoring a goal. I mean, he's, he's just feeling it. And, I mean – 
back-to-back shutouts as well. Their defense is really starting to come together. But I was looking over their play this past week and even the last six weeks as a whole. One thing that really came to mind is we have always talked about Louisville City as a club that is super deep and that John Hackworth is one of those coaches that is always in that position of having to make really difficult decisions. And I think Neil Collins is now really in that boat uh, of being like, you know, all 20 guys or, you know, however many are super pivotal to this side. We, we need every single one of them and any one of them can make a difference at any given time. Do you think we're at a point now where Tampa Bay might actually have more depth than Louisville? Um, yeah, I think that's that's a good question. Um, I think it's tough for me to – I don't want to, like, blanket that because I think that their scenarios are a little bit different. But what I do think it goes to show is that Neil and his technical staff and his medical staff have a very clear understanding of, okay, if this player plays – X amount of minutes one week, we can only have him for 60 on Saturday, or if he plays a full 90 on Saturday, we need to make sure that he's not in full rotation mm-hmm. for a midweek game. I think Tampa Bay is just honestly, to your earlier point, they've just got it down on who needs to be playing when, what um, what the opponent is going to ask of the Rowdies in terms of what they're going to have to shift from a game plan perspective. But I think it just shows that Neil and his team – Um, have just really, really developed an effective system of being able to start these guys one through 20 and still make sure that at the end of the day, they're at least getting a point. Uh, But obviously more often than not, it's been three for them. And so their success has proven effective so far. Um, Still a lot to get over the line. And I think that they've got maybe a little bit of an easier group than than Louisville does. Uh, Mm -hmm. But that certainly doesn't diminish any of their success to date. When I had a conversation with Neil a few weeks back, right when we were coming back to the return to play and, um, you know, right in those, those first three games or so, there were a few games that they just found a way to either get a point out of or three points out of. Um, and, you know, I was like, how, how important is that right now for you and your, and your guys? And he was like, listen, it's really going to take some time for this club to settle in, especially in the circumstances that, that we are in. So if we can take points in situations where we might not be playing our absolute best, but we're still able to get the job done, that's going to really pay off for us down the road. And I think now we're seeing a Tampa Bay side that is really starting to settle in and is now really grabbing those opportunities and those points when they present themselves. Yeah, 100%. And I think that uh, they've gotten the job done, obviously, today. And I think that they will have their eyes on a couple of these games that are coming up over the next couple of weeks. But it's one thing that we always talked about with the Rowdies last year, at least, was a consistency, right? And it, it seemed like there were times when they were at the top of the wave and then times where out of nowhere they would just kind of crash a little bit. And so I think that more than anything has been the more impressive part of their results to date, but is also the thing to continue to keep an eye on as they move forward is just can they continue this run of good form um, and rely on these guys, you know, time out or time in and time out. And on the opposite end of things, obviously Tampa Bay comes away with that 3-0 win against Miami this past week. And things are kind of shaken up over at Miami FC. So Paul Douglas comes in as the head coach at Miami FC. And I think it's a good move on, on Miami's part. You have someone who has shown obvious success with Miami, who is, um, you know, really trusted within his organization. I believe he was in a, a sort of a president role. Is, that's correct, Scott, right? Yeah. 
with Miami and, and now they're kind of bringing him in on the sideline. And um, I think he made a comment after the game that um, that second half was looking more like how he wants this Miami FC team to play. What do you, what do you think will be some notable changes we might see from, um, from Paul and, and his staff here in the next few weeks? Um, that's a great question. I think, you know, Paul's, Paul's obviously served in a, in a head coach role um, in a couple of different places before, but I think, yeah. When you look at um, when you look at Miami as a whole, obviously they're extremely talented. I think that they would re- readily admit that um, they need to probably work on their fitness a little bit and and up that side of their performance. But it's going to be <laughs> just as tall a task as it was for them um, before this weekend. They turn around and they face Miami again on Saturday. They turn around and face the Rowdies again on Saturday. Excuse me. Um, so it's not going to be easy necessarily but I think there's probably an element of cohesion there's probably an element where Paul can sort of step in and just maybe tweak a little bit here and there um, because with a shortened season obviously every game is just that much more important to get a result and though Miami's in the same group as the Rowdies and might feel like there's an opportunity for them to take advantage of their position now um, I don't think that it's necessarily um, going to be a, something as simple as you get this new head coach in and there's this like new coach boost of energy or that there's really going to be able to um, – that Paul's really going to be able to do a lot in the way of making physical changes. I think it's more just can they rely on him to make some tactical tweaks mm-hmm. where maybe you're able to get more out of guys than, than Nelson Vargas was, respectively, of course. Well, it's a huge point because, I mean, Miami FC brought on some really big names onto their side. So you are completely on the mark there when they have the people there and they have the guys in this system to be able to be successful. It's just a matter, I think, of tactically figuring out how what, what needs to be changed to get these guys to kind of gel and flow together because they also had, what, two or three weeks more to, to prep than a lot of these other teams. Yeah, 100%. But again um, – I think that they just they they have some major fitness concerns that they're going to try and isolate and um, and get over the hump on. But they know I don't think you need to tell any single person in that Miami FC organization that they need to to step it up to be able to be in playoff contention. And I think there's plenty of time. But I think that's also the reason for the change right now, as opposed to mid September. They know they need to start getting results now, and obviously they trust. Um, Paul Dalgleish with his incredible experience to be that guy to make sure that they can start racking up some points. I think a club that was really looking for results this week was San Diego Loyal. And um, unfortunately, they were one of the cancellations this past week. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time harping over that, but I, I thought something really good to bring up here, Scott, was um, Warren Smith taking to um, Twitter after that cancellation and really providing some clarity um, to, to, to the situation. Because obviously, everything that's happening right now with, with COVID-19 and all of the you know procedures and everything being put in place to keep everybody safe and healthy, um, there's there's going to be some complicated, you know, um, situations along the way. And I thought what Warren Smith did this past weekend was incredibly thought out and incredibly well done. And if you guys haven't had a chance to take a look at this thread, he had like a, a four or five tweet thread where he really brought some clarification to things that happened with that game in Las Vegas, what, you know, San Diego loyal is doing to ensure that um, everybody is safe and healthy. And, um, you know, I, as, a, as an owner or, you know, necessarily not know, but somebody in that front office role and somebody like Warren Smith, I thought that was huge, Scott. Yeah, 100%. I mean, 
Warren's obviously one of the more involved um, executives on the on the club side, and I think it's important to just sort of be a be a guiding light for your community, especially from a front office perspective. And and obviously, I think San Diego is one of those clubs that's finding challenges as it relates to being able to um, get some consistency, just in terms of like match cadence, but. Um, yeah, kudos to, to Warren and the gang for being very out front with um, with their approach. Well, other teams out in the Western Conference and in those two groups is obviously Phoenix and New Mexico uh, finally, finally met for the first time in this return to play in the 2020 season. So Phoenix takes that one five to two. But Junior Flemings is really the story here with his first ever hat trick in USL championship play. And he is just proven to be such a critical piece to this Phoenix offense. Yeah, he's absolutely flying right now, and I think it's um, it's just one of those things where when you're when you're on the field and you're able to to be such an, an a, like a key part, a vital part to what your group is doing, and to be able to see the ball hit the back of the net that many times, I mean that's just that's natural confidence that only grows with each match, right? So, I think that's one of the situations where um, as long as you can continue to roll, your teammates trust you more. You obviously feel more confident in your ability. Um, and it's certainly proven that once again, not that not that this was ever in question, but that he is going to continue to propel that team towards what could be and, and should be, I'm sure in their eyes, um, a very deep run into the postseason. Always the goal, right? Always the goal. I don't think anyone plays the game to lose, at least not not that I'm aware of. <laughs> Especially not Junior Fleming's in that Phoenix Rising side. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. And, and again, I think it's, um, it's testament to Solomon Asante and, and Rufat Dadashov and the guys around him that they're able to, you know, put him in a good position. It's a shout out to, to Coach Rick Shantz and his technical staff for setting him, their team up for success. And it's, um, it's, a, it's a challenge for the rest of the Western Conference where they see the same thing week in and week out. Now, how do you stop it? We touched on a few results from um, this past week, but Scott, was there one in particular that um, really stuck with you all the way through to uh, our recording today? Um, I think other than the, the high scores, Austin Bold getting a win was really, really important for them. Um, I think we, we had high expectations and high hopes for them. Pittsburgh dominating, I think, is, is notable, um, but Tulsa as well. Tulsa getting a good result on the road at St. Louis. I think that they're, um, we're looking at the, the unbeaten teams and those that continue to put a stamp on. Tulsa and San Antonio both getting the job done. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there were too many like surprising quote-unquote results, but, but definitely some ones that are going to continue to raise eyebrows as we sort of lock in, um, as time goes on, a firmer playoff picture. And obviously, as we go on here in this next week, we'll start to see that unbeaten number start to dwindle down. But before we get there, you guys, we are going to be joined by Seton O'Connor from the Dan Patrick Show today. And it is going to be a good one. It is about time also that we have Seton on the show. He's a big USL Championship fan, uh, specifically a Hartford Athletic fan. So you can find him talking all things Connecticut soccer in his podcast, The Nutmeg State. Um, So... Before then, this one's going to be a fun one, guys. Uh, Seton O'Connor from the Dan Patrick Show. Stick around. He's going to join us for the break. Hey, what's up? This is Seton O'Connor. Uh, of course, you might know me from a little show called the Dan Patrick Show, but I also have a podcast called Nutmeg State, and you're listening to Steal Some Time. Seton O'Connor joins us now. Seton, thrilled to have you on the show. Thanks for taking the time. 
No, yeah, of course. I'm thrilled that you asked. This is awesome. Well, we have some business to take care of out of the gate here because I'm not sure if those who are listening are totally aware, but the Dan Patrick Show made history this week. So Seton and his colleagues captured the notorious three-peat. So (laughs) the DP Show did not win an Emmy for the third year in a row. Oh, man. You know, I didn't know we were going to skew negative right out of the the start here. Um, Yeah, you know what? Yeah, we did. Three years in a row, we've been nominated for a a sports Emmy. And unfortunately, we've been, we're sort of the Susan Lucci right now of, uh, of sports talk, unfortunately. But, you know, as they say, it's a, it's an honor to be nominated um, right up until the minute that you lose. And then you're like, uh, screw being nominated. <laughs> I mean, talk about losing. Dan's reaction when the winner was announced was absolutely priceless because you could see him go, ah, and then the realization yeah. was like, oh, crap, I'm on camera. <laughs> right, yeah, totally. I know he did. It was a pretty good save by him, though. You know, he was able to get it back together. We did the, you know, the polite clap and then, uh, and then moved on. And then as soon as the, the cameras were off, that's when – you know, all the tears and cursing started. <laughs> I was going to say, you tell me you guys all gave him a hard time after that reaction. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, if there's one thing about the Dan Patrick show, it's that we, we make fun of each other constantly. Um, and that's yeah. kind of, you know, that's like what growing up, that's what me and all of my buddies did, you know, and sort of the idea with the Dan Patrick show is, you know, it's you know just supposed to be like you're hanging out with your friends and like you would at the at the bar while you're watching a game and you're sort of ribbing each other and having fun. And so that's sort of what we always strive for, uh, you know, with our show. Well, Matt and I were just talking about that, actually, because you look at the um, the other shows that were in your category and they're, you know, pretty, pretty firm, you know, straight lace. And I was like, you've got, you know, a, a bunch of dudes sitting around some mics just like, you know, just chatting about, about sports. I was like, this is the dream. Yeah, uh, you, you're not wrong. It's it's it really is a dream job, and it it's weird when you um you sit and look at yeah like pardon the interruption and outside the lines and Sports Center are these iconic brands in sports you know and in sports media and to have your name up there and the show that you work on is really incredible and then especially when you think of sometimes what we do for a living you know or like the just the stupid stuff that we do on a daily basis <laughs> uh, just uh, you know in the name of making each other laugh and, and hopefully making our audience laugh that uh, it's got to be like you know i can't imagine bob lee looking at our tape and our show and us, you know, like, you know, our underwear is on outside of our pants and we have to get Dan his coffee because we lost a bet or something. <laughs> and that him, what he's doing journalistically to be in the same category as us sometimes, uh, it's got to be a, a bit of a shocker. I'm sure they're like, these guys make money doing this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And it's been like 12 years now or 13 years or something. So we're going pretty strong, you know? It's unreal. You guys have, have a really great group, and your chemistry is, is unlike any other show out there. But Seton, a big part of what you do, you're a big soccer guy, and you bring that into the show a lot. But anyone who knows you or knows of you knows that that's a big part of who you are and in your interests. But here at the league, we started seeing a lot from you this past year when um, Phoenix Rising started that dollar beer night. And, I mean, headlines were all over the, the country. How did you guys at the Deep Beach Show catch wind of that promotion and that winning streak? You know, we, um, we're always looking out for sort of, uh, like you would call them kicker stories, right? They're, they're just funny, quirky things that, you know, sometimes when you're in the middle of, a, say, a 12-minute segment on the radio show, 
and then uh, you have an extra three minutes or something because one topic has sort of run its course. You could throw in these little side stories that are fun that, you know, anybody can relate to and you just maybe get a couple of entertaining minutes out of it and then you move on. And uh, I started watching, uh, I just became aware of Dollar Beer Night because of social media and was watching and I was like, wow, this is hilarious. This is right up Dan's alley too. It's like, you know, this team has an undefeated streak going on in dollar beer night. And, you know, there's like this huge demand to keep it going. Um, and so that really social media plays a big part in that, you know, where, uh, you know, people just amplifying that story and, and you catch wind of it. And uh, it was, it was just so perfect for our show. You guys ended up naming uh, the Dollar Beer Night shirts best of the week twice, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. You know, it's funny. I was actually just looking through my shirts at work uh, and I came across the Dollar Beer Night shirt and I was like, oh, man, I got to hold on to this one for sure. Well, you eventually made it out to a game, right? Where when they run the, the regular season title, what was that atmosphere like? I, man, it was really impressive. Um, you know, Phoenix is a cool town, uh, to begin with, but, uh, the fan base there, super passionate. Um, I was really, really impressed with just the way the whole operation was running from the fans to, you know, the, the senior leadership there at the team and the players, everybody was so welcoming and to be there on such a great night, um, was, was pretty awesome, especially since, you know, I, for my my home team being the Hartford Athletic, who is basically at the bottom of the uh, standings, it was nice to see like this is the top and this is what we're shooting for. So it, coming back home to uh, to my team, it gave me a lot of motivation. I feel like you brought some good mojo back with you to uh, to the Hartford Athletic because they're really feeling themselves this year. In fact, you were you were dubbed Hartford Athletic's most famous fan <laughs> on a broadcast this year. Is that like peak level for you in your career, Seton? Oh, you have no idea. You have no idea, especially since what I do for a living. I you know it's like a humble brag, I guess. I get to do a lot of really awesome things because of just being associated with Dan Patrick. But I was flipping out when all of a sudden my phone blew up and people are like, are you watching right now? And it, it was like, uh, it was just the coolest thing to say that, especially because, um, you know, living in Connecticut and being near ESPN, there's a lot of ESPN talent that go to games. And uh, to be have myself dubbed as the most famous one was a very great little uh, bragging right to have over a lot of my buddies that are in the area that are like, what, you? How are you the most famous one? <laughs> so it, was pretty, it was pretty cool. Behind the scenes, there was a lot of fun shots being taken. <laughs> I'm just going big time on all those guys over at <laughs> But in all seriousness, you bring a ton of coverage and publicity really to Connecticut soccer, especially through your podcast, The Nutmeg State. So you talk a lot about Hartford in there, and they're neck and neck right now with, with Pittsburgh with 12 points atop of Group F. What are you seeing that you're liking a lot from Hartford right now? Well, you know, there was a lot of, it's a good mix of sort of, uh, well, I can't really say veteran players from just last year since we're so new, but the, the, the team that stayed and then the new talent that's been brought in. Um, and then obviously, you know, a new coach with Roddy Jaddy, he's, he's brought in just sort of, it seems like a winning culture there. Um, Parfait Mandana has been outstanding. Uh, that's our keeper. He's been he's been really great. And there's been some fun stories on a local level here, too, um, with, like, say, Alfonso Vasquez, who was a kid right out of high school. Um, he signed with the team, just got his first goal, uh, first professional goal. Um, so there's just there's been a lot of good energy around the club um, right from right from the end of last season. 
Of course, they're playing in Group F as a part of Championship's entire return-to-play model, and you recently kind of adopted this model during one of the DP Show episodes and showed fans what it could look like if the NFL followed suit. Do you think that this could really be one of the NFL's best options? You know, I think I think it would work in a lot of areas, especially right now with with what we're seeing in college football. Um, you know, I went to the NFL, but college football is even more regional, and they're having a lot of trouble right now trying to figure out what's going on. And um, when you look at the way those teams are broken out, you know, the the SEC should you know those teams can stay together, but then there's other team you know conferences like with the Big Twelve that's spread out all over the place, and it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, so I think it could work on a lot of levels. And to be honest, I'd, I've always been looking to soccer um, to see, especially in Europe, because they were further ahead of us in the pandemic. So you could see the way professional sports teams were handling things there and the way countries were working with them. And so you're always two or three weeks ahead with whatever Europe was doing. And, and soccer obviously was a huge factor in that. And so I would watch to see what the European soccer leagues were doing. And then... Um, you know, once USL championship came through with this one, I was like, man, this is exactly the model that everybody should be using. Um, and on a lot of different levels and for a lot of different reasons. If you take away that like bubble aspect and you look at what the championship's been doing, you bring up college football and, you know, obviously a lot of big news across college football this week with um, a lot of conferences saying, you know, they're not playing at all. Do you think that then there's an opportunity possibly that we might see a few Big Ten teams pop on into to the SEC or, or whatever it may be and just kind of do away with the, you know, quote unquote, normal conferences as we see it? You know, I think there's a real possibility that at the end of this college athletics looks way different than it does now. Um, I don't know if that's a year from now or five years from now, but there does seem to be a lot of things coming into focus now that don't really make a lot of sense. And, and this is probably the time to shake those things up. I think in the immediate future, I would be more concerned less about teams leaving and more about individual players leaving. You know, if you're part of uh, the Pac-12 right now and you're a superstar football player, I don't know why I would stay at that school right now. And I would I would probably want to go play um, if I'm looking at the NFL. Um, you know, so I would be concerned about if I was a, a school holding on to the players that you have now and then figuring out the conference thing later. 2020 just continues to throw more curveballs, it feels like at this point. <laughs> Uh, such an honor having Hartford Athletics most famous fan on steel yes. sometime. <laughs> yes. I, I'm, I'm waiting to make it in a Fritzy's little black book. So I'm just going <laughs> to check, check back in a few months, see where we're at with, uh, with that. Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. Um, you know, I've, I'm trying to sneak in USL coverage uh, wherever I can. Um, you know, Dan, we're slowly winning him over to soccer. He's not a huge soccer guy. Um, but we're, we're slowly winning him over where, uh, you know, he'll say like my Liverpool team or something like that. So, you know, he's paying attention. Uh, he's paying attention in, in drips and drabs here. But uh, anytime that I can figure out a way to get uh, the athletic or, or USL championship in, uh, we'll do it. And we'll definitely keep your number on, on file. I love that. Great to hear it. See, and appreciate your time today. Take care. Yeah, cool. Thank you so much. This is Jake Edwards, and you are listening to Steal Some Time. Such an honor to have Seton onto the show. I know that's been one that Scott and Matt and I have been talking about for a long time. And, um, of course, he had a lot to say. Big, 
big soccer fan, uh, Seton O'Connor. If you guys want to follow more from um, Seton and everything he's doing with the DP show and um, the, the podcast, you can follow him at, at Hi, My Name is Seton. You'll see plenty of um, soccer content on his feed. And uh, he's, he's a heck of a follow, if I do say so uh, myself. But elsewhere, you guys, across the, the social media world, we're going to see Seton, but we are also going to see FC Tulsa pretty much wherever you go. Um, and I think, Scott, you and I have talked about this a few different times now of how we've, with Tulsa's rebrand and a lot of new things happening over there and not only just the team, but the, the front office as well, we're seeing this personality really evolve uh, online. And it's one that really seems to not give um, – a hoot about what anybody has to say they're going to come in with fire no matter what and uh, we saw that this past week when they quote tweeted one of loose city's tweets um pretty much saying that they're looking for a ninth striker which um Scott, I mean, that has to give you a laugh because how many times have we talked about Louisville having so many freaking pieces to the puzzle and FC Tulsa is pretty much just like, are you looking for number nine or 10? Well, yeah, I think um, we've talked about Tulsa on and offline before and they're very, <laughs> very willing spirits to shoot some shots. And I think it's, um, it's easy when you're unbeaten, right? It's easy when you're, right. you're riding the top of the wave uh, to, to call it out. I just hope that they can continue to bring the fire um should i won't say if or when um should they maybe um experience a blip or two in in the way of results well i'm sure louisville city will be one of many clubs waiting to pounce at that opportunity yeah and and obviously louisville is um is a club they're not a banter club necessarily but they're a club that that knows how to shoot their own shots on social media as well so um thankfully we are not short of of fiery social media teams and twitter fingers in the usl championship Always entertaining here at the USL Championship. I'll tell you what. And uh, across the USL Championship this past week, we see a lot in the fees, but we also saw uh, Ryan Madden and our, our very own president, Jake Edwards, in the stands at the Phoenix game this weekend. And it just seems like people are just getting more and more creative with these cutouts, Scott. <laughs> oh, 100%. And I think that's that's the beauty of it, right? Like, I hope that we just start seeing people get pulled out of the woodwork. But if, if Ryan Madden, the league's VP of communications and public relations, can make it into Casino Arizona Field, then anything is possible. <laughs> if you just believe. <laughs> Amen. Well, two teams joining Phoenix Rising and making quite a, a, a good bit of noise across the championship right now. It's obviously FC Tulsa and San Antonio FC. And we've talked about there being a few unbeaten teams left. These are two of them right now. So the streak could possibly end for one of these two teams this week. Scott, this has to be our match to watch, no? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, it's a meeting of the two unbeaten sides. I think Tulsa's obviously, we talked about it even previously, riding, um, riding pretty high right now. Um, but San Antonio, I mean, they're a force. And I think that they've kind of been uh, maybe a little bit more low key about their own performances and their own, um, I guess, their own ability to get it over the line every single week. Uh, but yeah, I think that's, that's safely the right way to go. Um, although I think they're, we're not short of, of good games this week, Kelsey. I think that's like the, the beauty of this weekend, especially. Not that I'm ever bored in this league, um, <laughs> but we've just got a couple good ones between Wednesday and Saturday. 
there's way, way, way too much going on for that to even be like in the the realm of existence, Scott. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think that um, FC Tulsa and San Antonio, but then I want to just like quickly shout San Diego and Orange County as yep. a, as another Western Conference game that I want to keep my eyes on. And the the East is like Indy Pittsburgh this weekend. I think has a lot of potential. Obviously, we talked to Seton Hartford and and their success so far. Um, yeah, there's North this, Carolina, Birmingham. I'm just glad all of these things are spaced appropriately to where I can watch multiple games at different times because all the action going down at once would just be a bummer. Um, I'm just glad that we've got this. I want to shout out Dan Loris from our operations department who has like a quad TV or quad screen set up <laughs> to catch them all at once. I need to, um, I need to get some, some tips from him. I feel like that should be a given. Like you accept the job to work for a league, any league in sports, you should be dubbed a, a TV like that. Like how else are we supposed to keep up? Yeah, four or five screens. Sometimes I need like, um, I think the number is just abundant. You know, I can't count on fingers and toes how many games I need to <laughs> be watching at one time. But uh, yeah, I think that this weekend is going to be a huge one. Um, but even even Wednesday night, like just some massive games that have some some real impact on the table. I mean, we only have that one game at seven thirty with Tampa Bay on Sunday. Other than that, we are talking about two massive slates on Wednesday night and Saturday. Wednesday is almost a Saturday. Um, when you look at the the amount of games that are being played, so, like there is there is a lot. Another one I really want to look at this weekend too, Scott, is um, St. Louis and SKC. And I know on paper it might not look like this this big of a matchup, but I think when you're playing for St. Louis or you're a St. Louis fan, I think this is a very very big game for your club because you're talking about St. Louis side that was reeling after those two games. We had Tyler Blackwood on, um, and now I'm concerned as I'm saying this that we might have jinxed St. Louis, but um, he, he had come off a, a massive week. St. Louis is playing very well, um, a massive threat in their group. Suddenly he hasn't won a game since that big win over Indy on July 26. I think that uh, not just a draw they need three points over SKC this weekend yeah 100 percent. I think that uh, that's probably the most entertaining group right now is that Louisville Indy St. Louis SKC group um St. Louis was in a good position and then they they obviously dropped to Tulsa and Louisville I believe has a game in hand right now um so it may not even be in St. Louis's fate um it's not in their hands anymore so they need to definitely be prioritizing three points every single time out just to, to be able to keep themselves in a, in a comfortable position. But we've seen SKC two is not like a, a walk in the park by any means. They've gotten the likes of Louisville. They, they beat Indy 11 last week. Um, They, they aren't necessarily going to be a a lineup and walk out with a smile on your face type performance. So uh, yeah, huge one for St. Louis coming up. Week eight headed your way uh, Wednesday, August 12th. First one's going to kick off at 7 p.m. We've got two 7 p.m. matches and then with school steam ahead. But before we get to week eight, Matt Calvo is your time for uh, a dose of shots fired. And Scott Stewart, I I think you have some ground to make up here. I do. I definitely do. Wow. She's calling you out, Scott. That's all right. Nothing new. I don't know what's with the full name thing either. I don't know if I've called either one of you like just by your first name this entire show. <laughs> You're very formal. Very formal. <laughs> it's, a, it's a professional show. That's the problem. <laughs> it's so professional. 
So today's, uh, today's topic was inspired just by, um, you know, just being online and, and having, stumbling across things that you stumble across when you're online uh, a lot during the, uh, the quarantine. But uh, I was thinking um, there's been some great cover songs in the history of music. So I wanted to know from each of you, what was the best cover of a song that you have ever heard? Your favorite cover of all time. This is a good topic, Calvo. This is a good topic. Oh, I'm glad you approve. Thank you. So uh, Kelsey was victorious last week. So do you have the right to write a first refusal? Would you like to go first or would you like to defer? Yeah, I think I want to go first. I'm a little nervous Scott might have this one. Okay. That's some simultaneously confident and not confident. <laughs> yes, no, that's yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Three, two, one, go. I am going with Free Fallen by Tom Petty slash John Mayer. Um, I think this is one of those timeless, timeless songs, a.k.a. why John Mayer was able to cover it. And I think that's what makes covers so successful is um, songs that can fly through so many different generations. And I think this is one of those that you turn on, you can just listen to over and over and over again. And for John Mayer, I think him especially, he was able to record a song that um, from an artist that was his idol. And I think there's nothing more special than that. Mm, Okay. Interesting. Gainesville, Florida's own Tom Petty. Mm -hmm. Good song. Scott, you ready? Yeah. Three, two, one, go. Uh, My choice would be Hurt by Johnny Cash, originally by Nine Inch Nails. Um, I think that obviously you're talking about a a musical legend in Johnny Cash who really – takes that song and, and makes it his own. Um, and I know sadly he passed away not long after recording it. And it's a, it's a deep cut for sure. Like it's, it's a very, very deep song. Uh, but just the way that he was able to, to capture that and, um, and transform it into his own production is just, it's like hauntingly beautiful, honestly. Hauntingly wow. beautiful. With two seconds to spare, he finished. Um, yeah, so this one is... I have to go somewhat objectively with data because I, I did some looking up as I proposed this topic today and um, consistently anytime you Google best covers of all time uh, lists that pop up all across the Google sphere have hurt by Johnny cash in wow. like the top, the top three easily every time. So it is a, uh- like I said, haunt, I think hauntingly beautiful is probably the the best way to describe it. Cause I know it was at the end of Cash's career. Um, it's already not like the, let's just say the, the happiest song that you <laughs> right. can produce. Yeah. Um, Guys, and, I don't think I know this song. Oh, I think, I bet you do. I bet you do. Um, interestingly, what is also consistently in the top three and often just like flat out number one on most of these lists, Jeff Buckley's version of Hallelujah. Oh, wow. Oh, really? Yeah. So there you go, kids. There's some music education for the day. Scott Stewart, you win today's Shots Fired. Thank you. Thank you. Scott, enjoy that dub. Yeah, I know. You, you know, I'm just going to take it in stride. <laughs> Keep it moving. Keep the train rolling. I'm going to spend the rest of the day listening to her and making sure that I'm not missing out on one of the greatest pieces of music. I hope you're not in a good mood. When you listen to um, it. Well, I mean, I just spent the last hour with you guys, so take that for oh. what it is. Oh. 
Yep, there it is. <laughs> on that note, for Kelsey Steele, Scott Stewart, Matt Cowell, thanks for joining, guys. We'll catch you next time on Steal Some Time. Thanks.